0: back as Liberty weeps our forefathers spin in their graves pray God will bless some way out of this mess we must take the merit back
1: good evening and welcome to the National Intel report right. I'm your host Steve Elkins and today's date is February 13th, 2023 happy to be here pleasure to be here welcome aboard 100% fat free non gmo that's what i offer here for this programming got ron mcdonald coming in our second hour here uh, our legal expert i've got some stuff to throw at him tonight i can't wait to to hear him on the other end always has a good answer you know he's he's a solid solid guy he's just He's better than an attorney. He's smarter than an attorney. He's a legal strategist. And uh, he's got a brain, no doubt about it. He's a a great guy. He's an asset to RBN. I'm glad to to be working with him in the second hour. Uh, I want to mention something last night. My last caller of the night last night uh, on my show, Off the Beaten Path, I had a call from Melissa. Melissa, if you're listening here, you asked the question about Turkey and Syria, the earthquake. Was it natural or was it man-made? I thought the same thing. Uh, that that's now that I understand and know more through the education of Dane Wiginton at GeoengineeringWatch.org. Uh I knew some. I knew about the chemtrails in the spring, but uh, the other parts of weather modification, geoengineering, that was uh, that was something new, kind of new to me. I learned a lot from Dane. Appreciate his effort being out there and educating people and coming on to RBN. We'll bring him back again in the future, no doubt about it. But I started thinking about it, too. You know, I watched it on TV. I don't know what the, what the death count is now. Somewhere around 20. It was 20,000 the other day. It's probably surpassed that. I, I found it interesting that uh, some media outlets – you know, the idea of media is reporting what you know. And the speculation, please – when it comes to death tolls, please don't do that. Don't do that. But they do that because that brings them viewers and ratings and advertising dollars. So when they're starting uh, at uh, you know 3,000 people died, 4,000 people, and we're were 6, 7, 10, and now we're up to 20. It's interesting that The Guardian, which I've never regarded as a credible, valid website, The Guardian had shot right to the top, shot right to the top saying – 200,000 dead people in the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria just shot right to the top. I hate that. That's so irresponsible. Report what you know. Don't speculate. You can give a guesstimate, but, you know, I mean... Look, 200,000, and we're talking now 20,000-plus people died in the earthquake. So uh, I did uh, get an email back. I didn't talk to him personally today. I, I called him, left a message. He's a very busy man. He did email, email me back and saying, yes, it is uh, man-made. So Melissa, if you're listening, yes, the earthquakes were man-made, and they're working on a video right now to put up on their website. To show you the proof and how they did it, Uh, you know, he gets his ducks in a row. No doubt about it, Dane gets his ducks in a row. So if Dane's going to put a a video out there, you're definitely going to want to watch the video here. So he shows conclusive proof that the earthquake was manufactured. It was not by nature alone. So uh, you can go to geoengineeringwatch.org in uh, the next day or so. You can check back there, and I, I know he's, he's going to be up there soon. He just says we're working on it now. So give it a day or so. But excellent question. Excellent question, Melissa. I was thinking the same thing. And I also wondered why the buildings just crumbled to nothing. Also, what kind of building code do they have to, uh, to have that much damage? I mean, 7.8, yeah, I know it's pretty high up there but I think a 7.8 here in the United States in a major city wouldn't look like that. I mean, that's just flat out crumbled gravel. You know, it, it's, it's I don't know what the building code is, but if you're living in a prone area, I guess of earthquakes and, uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a, there's been quite a few earthquakes out in that region in the past. I would think your building code, you might want to tighten it up a little bit and, um, try to protect your buildings a little bit better that looked like makeshift stuff you know I mean I've, I've, that's the rubble it's just powdered powdered nothing kind of like the World Trade Center but then again we, we know that was uh, caused by inside job there and some explosives that uh, powderized everything. Let's talk about a little bit here. I, I just had some ideas last night after ending the show. And uh, with my wit, I send out some texts and some fun stuff. I started thinking more about this balloon crisis, this balloon hoax. And by the way, the name finally comes to me. Paul Craig Roberts wrote a great piece on the the great Chinese spy balloon hoax. And I could not quote who it was. I read the article from it. It's on LouRockwell.com a couple of days ago. You can still find it there. But a solid writer. And and he's he's reiterating exactly everything I spoke about from day one was, this is a hoax. This is a hoax. Qui bono. Qui bono. Get uh, familiar with that term. Qui bono. Who benefits? Who benefits from the crime? Who benefits? So we start talking about these unidentified objects. I, I, I just love it when they... They put you in mystery, you know. They're unidentified, and they're objects, okay, we got that. Unidentified objects, high-altitude unidentified objects, cylindrical unidentified objects at high altitude. Well, you know, we have a lot of uh, great technology. Uh, we, We talk about what great technology we have, you know. Well, maybe it's time to identify it. You know, identify it. What is it? But they don't. They don't even say they're even gonna try. They just they just leave it as unidentified. Well identify it and get back to us. How about that? Is that is that difficult to do to get up there or or you platch your binoculars or whatever you're gonna use to identify it? I, I don't think this is that hard a harder thing to do. You know, it's identify it it's unidentified so your job is to identify it not just to blow it out of the sky well many many years ago many years ago my first cruise my first cruise ever i don't know if i ever be on a cruise ever again because of uh, the nonsense of mandates and vax passports and all that stuff unless they've dropped that but my first cruise we went to puerto rico uh we stopped off in puerto rico and uh, went to see Arecibo. the At that time, was the largest radio telescope in the world. And you might remember Jodie Foster in the movie Contact. It was beautiful on TV, and it's even more spectacular in person, right there in front of you. I climbed up to the highest point where Arecibo is. I got some beautiful photography with my, my high-end, high-tech Chinese camera. Isn't that funny? All our high-tech stuff comes from China. Canon. Canons. Yeah, my Canon camera comes from China. It's high, high-tech. high It's it's high-end. I got some great footage. I, I blew up some nice big pictures. And I'm glad I did because within the last couple of years, whether it was not maintained well or purposeful, the cables broke and it fell. And it Broke. It's gone. Arecibo is gone. And they're not going to rebuild it. That program is over now. Uh, you know, it just fell and broke. Unlike the Georgia Guidestones, which were blown up. This was not blown up. It just, I don't know, the cables. I Could you imagine? i I, I would think that <clears throat> the maintenance crews who Monitor the cables and the rust and corrosion. You're talking about Puerto Rico. You think you can stay up on top of that and say, you know what? We're going to have to start doing some repairs here and some rust control and corrosion control. Kind of like the San Francisco Bridge. They start at one end, and it takes one year, actually one year, from one end to the other year to the other end. And they're actually corrosion control twenty-four-seven. 365 days a year, back and forth, back and forth, and that's all they ever do. And they don't have corrosion on their cables, and the bridge has never fallen into the ocean. So I'm a little scratching my head on this one a little bit here of how things were not maintained and why Arecibo fell and broke, gone. So I was thinking also about the goal of what Arecibo actually did. And actually what Arecibo did was send out radio signals out into outer space, constantly emitting radio signals out to outer space, trying to reach, hopefully reach, intelligent life. Yes, intelligent life, because, you know, well, that's a good thing, because we are deficient of intelligent life down here on Earth. But that's what their goal was, to throw those emissions out there, radio signals, and hopefully contact Intelligent alien life. Now we get back to the unidentified objects that have been appearing. And I don't know why you just don't come out and say it's a balloon. If it's a balloon, it's a balloon. Okay, say it's a balloon. We all get it. It's a weather balloon. Or it's some kind of navigational balloon. We get it. But when you throw it up there as unidentified object, we don't know what it is. But then you shoot it down. Which again, very irresponsible to shoot something down that you haven't identified. Now what if possible? Just just put on your thinking cap here. <clears throat> what if there are other radio telescopes in the United States? Not just the one Arecibo. Arecibo is one of the most famous, one of the biggest. So you have other radio telescopes out there throwing out the radio waves, trying to read and tell in life. And intelligent life and intelligent life. Responds, oh, my God. There's something. And maybe they're making their way to the United States here. Maybe they're making their way to the Earth. And then you have some fat general at the Pentagon with a big stogie in his mouth. Flush the bombers! Call out the fighters. They're F-22s. we got to shoot it down. It's unidentified. We don't know what it is. But, sir, shouldn't we identify it? No, no, that's not what we do. We just blow things out of the sky because... Well, we all have small penises at the Pentagon. And that's the way you really show your masculinity is when you start blowing crap up. You show how tough you are. Let's blow it up. So, hell, it may be intelligent life here coming here in their little spacecrafts. Unidentified and blown out of the air. And we don't know. I can already see the headlines now. I can hear the actual broadcast. Of the fat general talking to the mainstream media about what a great job they did keeping America safe from the unidentified object that was blown out of the sky, talking to the mainstream media, the debris was salvaged. We have the debris that we shot down, which includes several large green heads, but we don't. We can't explain that. Several large green heads and extremities. Well, we can't explain that. There you go. There's your story for the week, which has me interested thinking also. Okay, we all know the definition. We all know the definition of insanity. To do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Okay, now, now we got our thinking caps on here now. Why would the Chinese... Send over one, have it blown out of the sky, send over number two, blown out of the sky, send over number three and number four, and have them blown out of the sky. Again, definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Why would the Chinese do that? What can surveillance by a balloon Have over surveillance by a spy satellite. What advantages would you have of having a balloon fly over, a big damn balloon fly over your your country, over being secretive, spying, not anybody knows you're spying, but using a spy satellite to do so? Or even spy aircraft to fly over, jam the signals, the radars, fly in, take pictures, and come back out. Why a big balloon and why four times quo bono who benefits Qui bono it doesn't make sense it defies logic so the chinese put uh, millions of dollars worth of equipment in this balloon and flies it over and they blow it out of the sky so they don't get their they don't get their equipment back it's all blown to hell and then they do it again and again and again that has It makes no sense. There is no logic there, which now you have to start thinking and digging a little deeper. Is it really the Chinese? Could it be our own CIA launching balloons and, and try to demonize China a little bit more? I mean, we want to pick a fight with somebody. We want to pick a fight with somebody, China, Russia, North Korea. We're always looking for a fight, but you know, we don't have a military strong enough for a fight. The Pentagon made sure of that with their new rules of woke and gender identity and and every, all this nonsense. They they made sure that they weakened our military, but they still want to poke around. They still want to you know provoke and make fights. Yeah, well, you're going to lose. You're going to lose, no doubt about it. So that's it for the unidentified flying objects. They're not flying at the speed of sound here. They're not bolting over the United States. They're just huge and big. And uh, did they actually, by the way, did they yesterday have a balloon go over the Super Bowl? I mean, typically the Goodyear blimp flies over and takes pictures and all that cool stuff. They do that for the Indy 500 because that's where I'm from originally, Indianapolis. So, yeah, you see the the Goodyear blimp always a month before the, the actual 500 race. You look out there in the distance, oh, there's the blimp. It's so cool. It's got a cool sound as it comes over your house, too. It's just it's like a Tecumseh, Tecumseh Lawnmower engine coming over your house. It's pretty loud. It's like, dang, they couldn't make that a little quieter. So I don't know if they I didn't watch the Super Bowl. To be honest with you, I didn't even know until the day before who was actually in the Super Bowl. I could care less because I didn't Watch one game throughout the year. I kind of lost interest in any football games and basketball games. Not that I was really vested into that, but I didn't really care because anybody who decides to take the knee and make a political statement and gets away with it. Now, if I make a political statement, they come after me. If you're of color and you make a political statement, they don't seem to give a damn what you do. You can do whatever you want. But you, miss you know, white person here. You do a political statement, and uh, you may be all on the right too, you know, to make your political statement. But uh, when it comes down to the national anthem and the flag, you know, taking this knee and showing disrespect, I don't. It doesn't uh, doesn't fly with me. And so, uh, not that I say you know, oh, you know, the flag and the United States government. They're totally two separate entities, really are. And uh, the United States government has not lived up to their to their potential for versus the flag and the founding fathers of what they had intended for America, they really have not they are quite the embarrassment this government is an embarrassment we come back, we got an interview, I want to play a clip it's uh, 20 minutes long we will skip the bottom of the break and play all 20 minutes Clayton Morris interviews retired Colonel Douglas mcgregor on ukraine you want the truth you want to find out about ukraine stay tuned no reason to get excited.
0: hey there are you gonna wait till the cows come home to get your new ease off drop and lift
2: what in the world is an ease off drop and lift
0: That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too.
2: EaseOff, LLC. 417-932-6419. <laughs>
3: Tune in Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 Central, to the Alternative Media with your host, Farron. If you've not been listening, this is some of what you've been missing. 2,000 mules, like you
4: like you like to say occasionally, Farron,
3: in your face.
4: They, they, they might have a, a set of lactating mammaries available that could provide milk for their adopted children.
5: Listen, news
4: media, all pulling off this gigantic fraud. Rhino neocon cups. There's
6: this wonderful thing it's called vote with the feet. moved to California.
4: I am a conspiracy factualist and everyone else is reality theorist. Hundreds, if not thousands, of ships came out of nowhere. Give me liberty or let's give you death. Any excuse to go in and kill yourself for this, this, this fraud of a government. This goes back a hundred years. When they come for your gold, give them a lead. And when they come for your guns, give them the bullets first. And God help us all.
2: Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you.
0: food storage in the rotating sponsors banners to support rbn
2: simply clean foods do it today
7: there's something happening here what it is ain't exactly clear
0: Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young
1: people speak And we are back. Got a great clip here. It's a 20-minute clip. You don't want to duck away. You want to listen to the entire interview with Clayton Morris and retired Colonel Douglas McGregor. This guy is pretty sharp, uh, along with Steve Ritter and a couple others. pretty Pretty sharp guy. Talking about the truth about what's going on in Ukraine, this is a recent video within the last 10 days. I've heard several in the last month or so, and I'm very impressed with his uh, his, his uh, military background and uh, what he knows. Uh, geez. Well, if we could only get this guy on like a mainstream media or maybe even – Tucker Carlson, bring him on and talk to him. Uh, this is exactly what you need to educate people, somebody this intelligent. So there's a 20-minute clip here. Clayton Morris is interviewing him on <clears throat> the current situation in Ukraine. And uh, I think it's uh, it's a good 20 minutes well spent to listen to
5: this. So, Michael, go ahead and run that clip. Well, overnight, the head of NATO said that Russia is mobilizing an additional 200,000 troops readying a massive offensive. Poland is ready to send F-16 jets to Ukraine in coordination with NATO. And Ukraine's head of intelligence says Crimea will be be retaken by Ukraine, be retaken by Ukraine. Joining us now is Colonel Douglas McGregor. Colonel, I want to get you to talk about all of this and in this breaking news in just a second. But first, you wrote a new piece called this time it's different and i want to start there you point out how neither we nor our allies are prepared to fight an all-out war with russia this is what you write and yet on sunday we have the nato admiral robert bauer telling us that we are ready for a quote direct confrontation with russia listen
2: we are ready to a direct confrontation with russia
7: we are um I think what we have done after the war started was the battle groups uh, along the eastern flank. We had four in the north, the the three Baltic states and Poland, the enhanced forward presence uh, battle groups. Uh, We have decided now, the the leaders in Madrid have uh, decided to uh, create four more battle groups in uh, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, Romania and Bulgaria, and to basically uh, strengthen those uh, battle groups make them a little bit larger, make, give them a little bit more support in terms of fire support and uh, uh, and give them better stocks for ammunition and other things. So uh, I think that is the, that is an important message for the Russians, that our posture has changed to show them that we are ready if they would have an idea to, to come to NATO. The challenge for both sides is that the industries, the defense industries in, the west and in russia need to ramp up production and uh, we basically have an economy now that is just in time just enough we have to have this debate on prioritization and that is in a way talking about a wartime economy but in peacetime and that's difficult of course so
5: colonel in one breath he says that we're ready to take on russia head-on while on another breath, he says, we don't have the weapons to do it. It sounds like he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. What do you make of that?
3: Well, not a great deal. Uh, let's be frank. If, if this is supposed to reassure your potential opponent of your readiness to defeat him, it's a pretty stupid statement. Uh, frankly, I, I don't know what uh, they're talking about, ready for a confrontation. The confrontation with Russia will not be in the Mid-Atlantic it's not going to be in the mid-pacific in other words it's not going to be a naval war per se and any of our surface vessels and for that matter even our submarines could be tracked now the nuclear submarines in deep water can't be easily tracked but the surface vessels can so the notion that somehow or another he's ready to do something strikes me as ludicrous nonsense
5: so in your piece you talk about the readiness uh, right now and um I like how you start. You say, you know, this time it's different, that uh, somehow somehow they're telling us that it's going to be different. And NATO is not prepared to do this. We're running out of ammunition. Um, Where do you think NATO goes from here? Um, There it sounds like and if you listen to this admiral talking, we need a, a wartime economy. He says that we need to turn our factories into military production machines right now because our stocks are drying up and we're going to take Russia head-on. We need to convert factories in all of these NATO countries and and go all out for a full-blown head-on collision with Russia.
3: Well, it's useful to keep in mind that in Russia, the manufacturing facilities for military equipment and uh, weapons and ammunition are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Russia's already mobilized and integrated 300,000. The possibility that they will bring in more is very, very likely. I, I don't dispute that because every time the Russians look to us and indicate a willingness to talk, we make it abundantly clear that the Russians have a choice. They can either completely withdraw from Ukraine or commit suicide. That's not necessarily a good starting point for negotiations. So the Russians are doing what you would expect them to do. They're getting ready for a much larger fight if necessary. This is something we're not prepared for. No one in Europe is prepared for this. We're not prepared to mobilize anybody in Western Europe. The only people who've mobilized soldiers at all to this point are the Poles. And the Poles are are courageous people. There's no question about it. I think the notion of going to war with Russia at this stage is idiotic. But they also don't have the most modern equipment and capabilities that we do. So even though they can provide numbers, they're not necessarily capable of augmenting us. And we have at most 50,000 combat troops in Europe. At most, we have 100,000 soldiers in Europe. But that doesn't mean combat soldiers. That just means soldiers in terms of those people that carry the fight to the enemy, that that close with and destroy the enemy, that launch rockets, missiles, and, and ammunition at the enemy? No, we, we've only got 50,000. We're now looking at a force in and around Ukraine of, what, 700,000 plus, with the potential to go close to a million, and new plans to expand, uh, permanently expand the Russian military establishment, especially the army. This is all crazy nonsense. We ought to stop talking about it. We need to get back to understanding the Ukrainians are losing badly. They're taking horrific casualties. They're crumbling down in southern Russia, and the Russians have yet to launch their major offensives. I mean, stop and consider that. They're not even facing the, the body of the force that's right. on its way to them at some point, and so they're, they're falling apart.
5: So the 200,000 then um, in southern in southern Ukraine, you're talking about this 200,000 that uh, that Jen Stoltenberg said over the, said last night that Putin is mobilizing this additional 200,000 for this new invasion – to topple Ukraine, and he won't stop, warns the NATO chief. Um, He's he's not going to stop. So this new mobilization...
3: he's not going to stop until the Ukrainian forces are destroyed. Right. That was made very, very clear early on. That's the threat to Russia. And, of course, we keep calling this an invasion. In in reality, this is a counterstroke. He's responding to the threat that metastasized in eastern Ukraine, designed to destroy Russia. We're talking about defeating Russia humiliating russia dismembering russia good lord i'm surprised he hasn't simply declared war at this point and mobilized
5: millions right well you have then i I want to put up this quote by steve bannon because i think it's certainly when we talk about crimea right so this is what we've been hearing from the intelligence the intelligence chief in ukraine as i mentioned at the top that now the ukrainian intelligence uh is saying that crimea will be retaken by ukraine and here's what Steve Bannon said. The globalists with the Biden regime leading have taken the war from defend Ukraine to liberate Crimea after $100 billion and losing a third of the country to the Russian army. So now this is the new message. Liberate Crimea. Forget defend Ukraine. Is that what we're starting to see now more? This talk is that's the net. That's the new mission.
3: You know, I'm I'm beginning to think that uh, there was never much coherent strategy to begin with, other than we're we're here to hurt Russia. I mean, that's a, that's essentially what we were told. This whole thing has become incoherent now. Right. The, the notion of of striking at and liberating, as they say, liberating Crimea is a bunch of nonsense. It's all crazy, and I, I'm afraid what the Russians are discovering is the only way to put an end to this nonsense is for them to commit 100% to the destruction of the Ukrainian forces and ultimately to the elimination of this regime in Kiev. Now, they're going to do that, but instead of seeing this sort of massive blitzkrieg that we're accustomed to because of the experience with the Germans in World War II, I think you're talking about three or four axes where you have effectively meat grinders on each one. Imagine bulldozers that are just moving forward, steamrolling what they find in their path until ultimately everything is gone. This is going to take a little longer, but the Russians want to be absolutely certain that they've annihilated the enemy. That's what we're going to watch. I also think the Russians are very concerned about our impulsiveness. We're in no position to interfere with what they're doing in Ukraine. And this is the reason I wrote this again. People need to be warned. This regime in Washington is amateurish. They're ideological. And amateurish. They they don't really understand what they're up against. They never did. They miscalculated when they thought, well, the Russians are weak. See, they didn't come in there gangbusters the way we would. Well, of course they didn't, because they were dealing with brother slobs. They didn't want to kill Orthodox Christian slobs. They were trying to find a way around it. When it became clear there was no alternative, that's when everything changed. So you're going to see the, the giant meat grinders show up and crush whatever is left in that country. But the more we talk about lashing out, the more we talk about, quote-unquote, liberation or removing Putin or these kinds of things, the worse it's going to get. we got to get out of this business and start coming to terms with reality. But reality is not very popular in Washington.
5: No, but it seemed like there was a moment of clarity from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin in Rammstein, Germany, just last week when he said, and you pointed this out in your piece, when he said, look, there's a narrow window here for NATO. There's a very narrow window for us to, I guess, what he was saying is funnel as much weapons as we can in order to somehow help with this offensive right now before Putin launches this massive, this massive. uh, I I think
3: he's talking about trying to rescue Ukraine before it collapses. Hmm. Right now, a friend of mine who is a demographer got a hold of me and said, look, Doug. At the beginning of this war, there were supposedly 37.4 million people in Ukraine. It says, in reality, there were already 2 million Ukrainians working in the United Kingdom and the European Union. And once the war began, over 10 million Ukrainians left. In other words, they packed their bags and they moved out. A million plus went into Russia, the rest went west. Now, if you look at those numbers and then you consider that right now inside the areas currently controlled by the Russians, there are four million so-called Ukrainian citizens. Of course, they're Russians. They speak Russian. They are Russians and they're living under Russian administration. They're all very happy to have, quote unquote, being liberated. But when you start adding up these numbers and then you look at the casualties that no one wants to tell the truth about, you're looking at 18 to 22 million people left in Ukraine. Wow. Now Clayton that's the size of the Netherlands the Netherlands you wow. cannot maintain this war with a a million plus under arms and the enormous quantities of equipment being poured into it with 22 million people right now especially when they're all living on the edge of poverty they have no energy they're they're worn out they're exhausted and the discontent in Ukraine is absolutely out of out of the ballpark people there are sick of it and they're sick of Zelensky. His soldiers keep posting videos that they take of themselves and their comrades on the front line saying, here we are. We're starving. We're freezing. We're being abandoned. The wounded are being left alive, uh, alone to die. And now we also have this uh, epidemic with tuberculosis that the West refuses to recognize. These are terrible conditions. Ukraine is headed for collapse. So Austin is saying, look, give us all you can right now because This may be our last shot. Now, inside NATO, though everyone is keeping quiet, most of NATO is absolutely enraged that this continues. They want it to stop. They see no point in this. But everyone is afraid to contradict or cross the United States. And I understand that. They want good good terms with us. They want good relations with us. They want to trade with us. But increasingly, privately, they're saying this is out of control. We didn't sign up for this. And the Europeans did not sign up for total war with anybody.
5: Right. Well, and it seems like you've got these countries that are, you know, as my dad used to say, uh, stuck between a – was it? Stuck between a hell and a handbag – no, I, I can't forget rock all of Rock and a my, hard place. Rock and yeah, a hard yeah, place, yeah. hell and a handbag. All my dad's idioms growing up, it's hard to remember. Some of them are off-color, and I can't use the language here on the show. Yeah, but, uh you know, you see like countries like Poland, uh, so countries like Portugal who are funneling old 1970s leopard tanks there just to, I guess, appease the West and say, here, President Biden, see, we have these old museum pieces. We we want to be in your good graces. And Poland now is going to send F-16s and and they just got all these new Apache helicopters that they're buying from the U.S. and going to be sending. So uh, you're right. I think they're just they're just going to keep funneling this there to make the United States happy. Is that the goal?
3: I think that's true for everybody but Poland. Mm. And I think this Polish government lives in the distant past. When you mention Russia, I think they see Bolshevik Russia in the 1920s. They see the Soviet Union. They see Stalin. You know, they, they refuse to come to terms with the reality that Russia is not a Soviet state. It's not a communist state. The Russians are not interested in a war with Europe. They want desperately to do business with Europe. No one in no, Moscow does not want to occupy and rule other people that are not Russians. Right. I mean, one of the great lessons of imperialism is that imperialism doesn't work very well. Territorial imperialism is expensive. You end up with large numbers of people who are foreign to you. They don't really want to be governed by you. The Russians learned this. And this was Alexander Solzhenitsyn's mission. Uh, you know, his uh, famous observation, he said, we Russians should be glad that these people are free and independent of us. We don't want to rule them. We want our own country. And no one is uh, more devoted to Alexander Solzhenitsyn than Putin. So the notion that he, that the Russians want to come in and deal with 40 million unhappy, miserable Poles is absurd. Right, It's just not true. But they're pushing this war. And I think in their minds, they believe that if they do this hard enough, that they will endear themselves to us. They haven't figured out something. We don't live in Europe. You know, we're a maritime and aerospace power. We don't maintain major land forces overseas. That's why you've only got 50,000 combat troops, if that, in Europe right now. So they've lost their minds. And we have had a bad habit of over the years overextending ourselves. And when people came to us and said, well, we don't like country X, help us. We should have said many, many times, get along with your neighbors. Hmm. War is not the only option. Right. Find a way forward. Well, so we're in the position of wag- the, the, the tail wagging the dog. We're the dog. Everybody's got a hold of our tail and wants to wag the decans out of it.
5: Well, it seemed, and I just got from your piece, it really seems like we're at this inflection point right now, this tipping point. You know, if, if, if NATO really wants to go all in and do whatever it can to try to quote unquote save what's left of Ukraine, this is going to be a disaster. Either that or they pick it up and they go home which doesn't seem likely
3: well well Clayton. back in january i was interviewed in washington by dimitri symes for one of, one of his programs and i was asked specifically about nato and i said if we push this and uh, the russians go in and we fail to negotiate an end to this quickly this will destroy nato hmm. remember nato was founded as a defensive alliance it was never designed for offensive operations right there's nothing in the nato charter about attacking anyone Everything's about being the object of attack, the victim of attack. We've been trying to use NATO as an offensive weapon since the 1990s. Since uh, stupid people like Senator Luger in the Senate said, well, either NATO is out of area, in other words it's going to operate beyond Europe, or it's out of business. Hmm. And most most of us stood around at the time in the military and said, well, maybe it needs to go out of business because there's no reason for it to exist anymore. So we, we've reinvigorated, in our minds, the Russian threat. We have provoked it. We succeeded. It's there. But it would be misleading to assume that there is an aspiration to dominate the continent. It's a losing proposition. The Russians know that. That's not what they're about. They're very disappointed in the Germans, who are their principal trading partners, and can't understand why Germany has turned so radically hostile to Russia. There's no reason for it. Poland, however, is the danger point, because Poland is the one nation that will commit itself all out to war against the Russians, as foolish and misguided as that is. No one else wants that. So I think as this, as this moves forward and we put more and more pressure on the alliance, eventually the alliance will crumble, hmm. because this is not what Europeans want. You All you have to do is look at the polls. Sixty-plus percent of Europeans everywhere are saying, no, we don't want a war with Russia. You're in Portugal. The Portuguese have said, sure, send them, send them our old stuff. Make them happy. We love the United States. We want good relations with them. I don't see any Portuguese lining up to fight in the east, in no eastern way. Ukraine. Forget it. It's not going to happen.
5: No way. Unbelievable. So this could lead to the the total destruction of NATO. Um, and uh, I've always worried about that.
3: Yeah, you know, NATO, NATO is a sort of, a, what was the old Henry James used to say, sacred cows are never slain. They simply vanish. Well, over time, I think NATO would simply have vanished because there was no real requirement for it. But now I think there's a good chance it will be slain Hmm. and go out of business the hard way.
5: Right. You always need an enemy. So you try to create one, provoke one, and it's going to come back to bite you. Fascinating. I would encourage all of you guys to go out there and read uh, the colonel's great piece. I'll link it up in the description. A really fascinating read um, in The American Conservative this weekend. So thank you for that. And thanks, as always, for your great insight, Colonel. We really appreciate it.
3: Sure, Clayton. Good to talk with you.
1: Excellent clip. Excellent clip. Clayton Morris interviewing retired Colonel Douglas McGregor. Um, Doesn't get any better than that. The truth, you want the truth about Ukraine. Well, you can handle the truth. You've got the truth right here. Um, Michael, let's post that on the website. To make sure others can watch that on the website, and uh, definitely you want to watch it yourself, and then send the clip to other peoples in your circles. Um, <clears throat> the end of NATO—I would, I, wouldn't that be great? The end of NATO, which is uh, pretty much a proxy military for the United States government. I would love to see that. The end of NATO. Forget all this nation building and forget all this. What's going on here? This, this is uh, clearly this is clearly Russia was provoked alright, we want to talk about this, Russia was provoked the Ukrainian Nazis were bombing the heck out of everybody in the Donbass killing people, these are war crimes Now, is you know, talking about war crimes against Russia war crimes against Vladimir Putin uh, does not consider what he's done to Russian citizens in the Donbass as being a war crime another clip prior to this I found rather interesting is that Zelensky does not did not even speak or at least fluent did not speak fluent Ukrainian totally different than Russian he actually had to he spoke Russian really well he actually had to take classes and do a crash course to learn the language of the Ukrainian people here so here's a guy that says I'm I'm representing you people in Ukraine and actually he is Russian at least speaking Russian but uh yeah, basically essentially what we have here is the United States is uh, is backing the wrong person again, backing the wrong institution here. He is they're backing Ukrainian Nazis. Flat out that's what they are, Ukrainian Nazis. The primary objective of Russia is to the denazification. And uh, you mentioned uh, they mentioned also taking back Crimea. I know wow, that's interesting because Crimea had a, an election, a free referendum, and the Ukrainian, the, uh, the Ukrainian people had decided which, which direction they wanted to go. They wanted to either side or to go along with Ukraine or consider themselves Russian and want to be part of Russia. They made the decision. They decided we want to be Russian. Where, where, if we t- want to talk about democracy – uh, first of all, I guess we maybe we need to explain what does democracy mean. It's the people deciding. Well, the people in Crimea, Crimea decided they wanted to be a part of Russia. That upsets Zelensky quite a bit. Uh, he does not recognize true, true democracy here, or he would accept the fact that they voted and made a decision to return back to Russia. This is going to get uglier and uglier. We are approaching. We are approaching the one-year mark here. February 24th will be one year since Russia finally said, you know, enough's enough, we're going in, we're going to denazify the Ukraine, and we're going to put these people out of business here. And uh, with good reason. With good reason. Humanitarian reason. But you know, you'll never hear that. The mainstream media will never talk about that. I don't, I don't even know if Tucker has ever really talked about the humanitarian mission of why russia is doing what they're doing why there are why are they in ukraine i don't think he's ever gone in that direction i don't think he's allowed to go in that direction but i think this clip is is an excellent clip again please share it with others listen to it again sometimes you pick up something the second time you missed and then share it with others uh another clip i found the other day where colonel mcgregor was talking about also that the Ukrainian government, Zelensky, was actually drafting 16-year-old boys, dragging them out away from their families here and putting them in uniform to defend Ukraine. Imagine that, a 16-year-old boy in a uniform to defend Ukraine here. I I mean, what a a bad situation to be on the other end, to be an experienced uh, Russian fighter here and uh, pointing your gun at the... 16-year-old boy here. This is a crime. This is a crime, uh, but it didn't have to happen. There is some common ground. There should have been some common ground here, some negotiating room here, but they don't want that. Zelensky does not want to negotiate anything. He just wants, he wants, he wants. He wants everything, plus he wants our tax dollars. He wants more in billions, which we've already given him, what, uh, $125 billion in aid, There's no accounting of that money, by the way. We don't even know where it went. I assume the oligarchs got some. Zelensky's probably got a nice bank account. Um, How much of that actually has made it to the effort of fighting Russians? I think very, very little. I think Dr. McGregor was accurate in saying they're getting slaughtered. They are getting slaughtered. And I hate to say that. This is a terrible thing because governments make war. And innocent people fight the wars to defend the governments because they're forced to do so. I'll say that on the Ukrainian side. i say that same also on the side of the Russians. Do you think these people really want to go to war? Do, to kill somebody and that never bothered them, never hurt them ever, we have got to kill them now. That's war. I hate it. It bothers me quite quite greatly to see this happening here. Again, we're coming up on one year anniversary of of this uh, invasion uh, I won't even say it's an invasion like I said it's it's correcting a wrong Russia is correcting a wrong that was happening to the Russian people at the hands of the Nazis in the Ukraine government that's pretty much better way to say it is correcting a wrong rather than an invasion by the way we have open phone lines five one two two four eight eight two five two that's five one two two four eight eight two five two if you want to chime in on any of this here. Or you want to talk about balloons? I guess we can talk about that too. But um, I saw the clip, and I think there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people, a lot of people I talk to, don't quite understand what's going on. Uh, they've been told by the mainstream media the Russians are the bad guys, Ukrainians are good guys, the United States are good guys, and we're giving more weapons. We're giving tanks now. We're giving F-16 jets. And Jeremy's doing also So everybody's kind of ganging up uh, But they've been Misinformed Misinformed And tonight is about the truth So that great clip Share it with others We'll be right back
0: Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great. Like Extendivite very much. Seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars. Love this product, ExtendoVite. Terry W., five stars. Can't say enough. Great product. Fria, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your ExtendoVite today, go to extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at one 928 8822
8: Extend your life with ExtendoVite. That's naturalearthmedicine.com.
1: And the british is even worse the bbc reporting that russian soldier death rate is highest is highest now since the first week of the war that is uh, that is not the truth uh it's quite the opposite the russians are winning ukrainians are getting pounded and uh sadly say i don't want to see any of this happen but it's happening and uh the last thing uh where we should be, always be getting the truth because uh, the truth will set you free and also will end this suffering It'll end this suffering. I understand that Zelensky now is lashing out after Elon Musk as Elon Musk is maybe in his own little way is pulling back support for Ukraine. He's been forced into this position. and I don't know he's being blackmailed or whatever, but using his Starlink system here, uh, he's evidently hired on to give so much support to Ukraine using his Starlink system here. Uh, and drones to fight the Russians, and he is pulling back now. He's pulling back. He doesn't want to uh, allow so many of the uh, satellites here, the Starlink satellites, to be used with the drones, and which would benefit the Ukrainians. So maybe that's his way of pulling back, and maybe he's trying to stop, put an end to the war itself. Bring people to the table here. Uh, you know, this this has to happen. Uh, if it doesn't, uh, there'll be a total annihilation of Ukraine, a total you not, uh, annihilation of ukraine and i don't think that's what they want but that's it's that's where it's headed that is where it's headed then if that happens what happens then on our side the united states what's going to happen there is the united states going to get themselves into world war three with russia bad idea very bad idea and if you think the United States can take on Russia alone, it's not going to happen cuz China is coming to Russia's aid also. Don't forget, you're picking on Russia now with stupid damn balloons. You're poking a fight with two tigers here. And then we can probably throw in North Korea. There's a third tiger. Do you think the United States can take on three tigers? No way in the world that'll ever happen. You'll be defeated. With your woke army, you will be defeated. Let's go to the phones, and let's talk to Laura in Michigan real quick, probably taking you to the second hour. Laura, you're on. Hi.
2: Hi. First of all, I wanted to say you should have read the book, uh, Where Did the Buildings Go? Because I, I believe it was directed energy weapons that they used at the Trade Center.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I think
3: that's probably what they did. They said there was an odd-looking cloud over Turkey.
4: Well, CW.
1: I'll tell you what. I, like I said, I, I threw that at Dane Wigginton last night. And I uh, contacted him. We'll find out, and uh, as soon as I know more, I'll I'll let you know. But uh, he like says they're working the on a video. video. He says it was man-made. It was man-made.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's probably how it happened. Anyway, I want
2: to be real blunt, really blunt. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd like to put Gregor what he said, but this war is a war against the
3: Zionists. Mm-hmm. They're, they've always been mad at Putin, getting rid of all the Bolsheviks. And not letting the Jews take over Russia. And they want to, they figured they could get Putin. I'll tell
4: you what.
1: Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Lord. I'll bring you back in second hour. Stay tuned. Second hour coming up the National Intel Report. Ron McDonald joining us here soon. Hang in there.
4: (laughs) In times like these, you can't depend on the government to keep you warm and fed, but you can depend on the Vermont Bun Baker to do just that. With a Vermont Bun Baker, you'll never be in a situation where you can't cook, bake, fry, boil water, or heat your home all at the same time. One of the most revolutionary cook stoves, wood stoves ever, the Vermont Bun Baker is available with or without soapstone veneer, a natural stone that retains heat and radiates it back into the room once the fire is out a beautiful addition to your home. The Vermont Bun Baker has an efficiency rating well above 75% and qualifies for the Wood Stove tax credit. For more information, watch the Vermont Bun Baker on YouTube and live stream or visit us at www.vermontwoodstove.com. You can also reach us by calling one 866 soapstone do not ever be hungry or cold because the power's gone out. With a Vermont Bun Baker, all you have to worry about is what's for dinner. You-